hand into the fire. Run. Run! Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Out of the Frying Pan, a Middle-Earth strategy battle game podcast. Over the lip of the little dell, on the side away from the hill, they felt, rather than saw, a shadow rise, one shadow or more than one. They strained their eyes and the shadow seemed to grow. Soon there could be no doubt, three or four tall black figures were standing there looking down on them. So black were they that they seemed like black holes in the deep shape beneath them. Frodo thought he could hear a faint hiss as of venomous breath and felt a thin, piercing chill, and the shapes slowly advanced. Fantastic stuff. So if, if you haven't already guessed that we are going to be talking um, about where the top of it today, about Amonsor, that knife in the dark chapter that Dan's just been reading from then. Um, but before we crack into that, let's tell you what we've got coming up on, on the rest of the show as per usual. Um, so we have our usual many meetings coming up after this little opening ramble. Um, Dan and I will have a bit of a catch up about what we've done since the last show as usual. Um, and then Council of Elrond will be our weather top scenario review. So we, um, Dan and I got together and, and played i say we got together over the internet and played the weather top scenario along with a couple of others and um we uh, we're reviewing the new weather top scenario and we're also going back in time and looking at some of the previous incarnations of weather top and, and a few things linked to it as well from previous games workshop and battle games in middle earth publications um and then we have a another heroic death match for you um as Dane today something that's uh, not Quest of the Ring Bearer themed, but um, something cool and fun, something we've been talking about doing for ages. So we'll catch you on the other side of the break. Incom Gaming, the new centre for tabletop wargaming in Gloucestershire. Visit incomgaming.co.uk for great savings on pre-orders and all your hobby needs. We stock many gaming systems and hobby accessories and can ship to anywhere in the UK market-leading gaming mats from gamemats.eu. Visit the store and check out how to turn your tabletop into a battlefield. Incom Gaming is based in the centre of Cheltenham and offers tables and scenery for casual and organised play with a fully licensed bar. Check out our events page for upcoming events where everyone is welcome. Visit incomgaming.co.uk. Incom Gaming. Come game, shop, drink. And welcome to many meetings, Dan. How's it going, buddy? Yeah, not bad, not bad. We the world again continues turning as it continued turning before, but uh, this time round, I actually have things I have done in this uh, brief period since we last recorded. I finished <laughs> some models. You know, you, you, you got your funky soundboard there. I'm sure we can get some, you know, trumpets and angels singing. But I have actually finished models, which is really nice. See, that wasn't what I was hoping for, but they're not. They're not um, they're not labelled, so it's not really a trumpet, was it? No, although there is a certain degree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, unintentional, but I'll leave it at that now. <laughs> well, I suppose there is a certain degree of trepidation for all concerned. It might be one of the first signs of the uh, apocalypse, although I think we're a little beyond the first or even second sign of that by now this year. Um, yeah, finished some models. I finished my uh, Dog Order army, if you can call it, uh, you know, 11 models an army. But, you know, I'm sticking with it. It is an army. The points, points. The points as it is. Yes, indeed. So uh, they're finished. They're all done. They're safely and uh, happily ensconced upon their generation shift bases. So I've got uh, all of that done. I've um, put a few little pictures here and there. Uh, I do need a better 
why you're taking photos of things. Um, mm. We've had discussions on this and, you know, I need a white background. I need a proper light box. Yes. I need a great many things at the moment, but uh, <laughs> we, these things are to come. We need to talk about this, actually, photographing miniatures a little bit, because um, I'm still not 100% happy with the way I do it, but I, I'm fairly happy with the way most of them come out and I'm able to use them because of, because of the business, because of, of painting models. But uh, some things I still struggle with, especially if you're painting, photographing dark colours and blacks and things, which is what you've got there. Um, so, yeah, we should... There's, a, I think, um, Games Workshop recently in one of the latest White Dwarfs and there's the guide you can click on online that says about using a, multiple lamps and a, and, a black, and a white background. My experience of using white backgrounds tends to be that um, you're better off actually getting a light box if you're going to go with the white um, or you need lots of lamps otherwise you, you, you sometimes struggle, struggle to balance the light unless you've got a very good very good camera or something um, I prefer the kind of uh, greyish um, backgrounds uh, it tends to make it easier to take the picture but I'm, I'm definitely no professional photographer as well but um, light, lighting is the, is the key for you really I think getting yourself a, you've got the one daylight bulb haven't you on your desk that you used to paint with yeah, pretty much. How I manage to actually paint when I really think I have a task lamp for Christmas from my other half. So yeah. we'll see if that comes to fruition. Uh, hopefully it will, because it would help. Um, yeah. I think I do okay with my painting, but I seem to make it more, more difficult. So um, if I can actually, you know, get hold of some of the toys, it might make life a bit easier. Well, you're, you're, so we'll your your painting is fantastic, but I've seen pictures of your desk, and you, while you've got a daylight lamp, it's not giving off a lot of light. So I've got a, a, um, uh, quite, you know, one of the daylight company um, lamps, and that pumps out a lot of light. But even even when I'm trying to record a video or something, um, I find I need other light sources to really, really sort of brighten it up. Um, and I think that's the kind of thing you need with when you're photographing miniatures really is a couple of different lights I've now got I've just added two more that I've not used yet but I've now got three of those kind of photographic circle things um, on little stands which uh, pump out white light and I use that and then my main lamp coming top down and I've got a proper photographic backdrop that I use so they, they should get even better soon but um, um, you can you definitely makes a big difference um, because your painting is fantastic but some of your pictures it does make it a little bit hard to see how, how good they are um, but <laughs> Your, <laughs> what you've just done, we used to get quite past it quite quickly. They are awesome. I, I'm looking, I can't wait to actually get to see them properly and pick one up and, and have a good look at it. Um, it might be a long time now. <laughs> it's probably going to be next <laughs> yeah. year. Um, but I, I really, really want to not only play you again, play them, but also I was just have a really good look at them and because uh, they look fantastic. I don't think you, you skirted past it very quickly. You just finished them, but you put some good work into those and you should be really impressed with them. Yeah, I'm quite happy with them, and uh, yeah, because I got them for the, for my birthday actually, belatedly somewhat, um, and it was quite nice to get them finished because much like my uh, Iron Hills Chariot Christmas present, it was quite a way into the year before that was done. I did seem to take a while. It's always the the new shiny seems to overtake the stuff I really should be doing. Yeah, but, yeah, we all we all get there. <laughs> well, I, I don't think a new edition of. Um, more than 40,000 coming out and then my entire game and going, ah, we'll do that. Helped. No. But, you know, fairly sizable 40k and we got painted and... Yeah, but I am back on the uh, Middle-earth train. I've uh, I've got Radagast sat on my desk at the moment. He's looking at me, perched on that one single daylight lamp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, he needs to be done and I'm, I'm massively stoked on Fancy Fellowship. So if anyone didn't pick that up from the last episode, I am so stoked on that. I've got mine planned... Um, I'm probably going to order my 
actually, I won't say. I won't say which models because we're going to cover all of this, aren't we? We're going to do a fancy fellowship um, feature at least in one of the episodes, and we'll go through my selection. Yes, yeah. And, uh, I'm excited to get painting these. Very excited. Yeah, I haven't even chosen mine yet. I'm going to leave it to. It's probably not going to be for another couple of episodes yet that we're going to go through and, and do it as our main section. Um, so I'm going to wait a little, to a little bit closer to time because I don't know. I've got some very loose ideas, but I want to actually give it some proper thought before I start um, pontificating about it. Really, um, but I've I'm definitely set on it, and I've already begun. I mean, to be fair, I've just given the game away on one of the particular models, Radagast. Yeah, yeah. He will be my wizard. You know, my spellcaster extraordinaire. So uh, hopefully you know. he cleans up all right. I, it's it was I I had a, a couple of them and I and I posted him off to you. I know there's quite thick glue on, like overspill on his leg or something, but he looked like he should clean up okay. But he was oh he no, it's fine. I've um, attacked it with a craft knife. It's all good. Cool, good, good to hear. Good to hear. Yeah, they definitely definitely need a little bit of work, but he should be fine. I just still can't get over how good that sculpt is in plastic. It, to be fair, I mean, I know they're doing amazing things with plastic these days. The, some of the latest models, particularly for sort of Age of Sigmar and that, have been ridiculous, frankly yeah. ridiculous for the amount of detail they've been able to get in and sharp detail of that. But, I mean, how old is this Radagast now? When was, um, was the Goblin, Goblin Town release, what, no, six he, years he, ago? He was he was the limited edition model uh, from yeah. that, that set that never sold out, um, But uh, which is crazy in some ways because we've talked about it before, about the about the dwarves that that sprue possibly being the, the the best plastic sprue apart from like the you know the the brand brand new ones that have just got one miniature on but in terms of a a, a, a large sprue with multiple models on that's probably the best quality sprue around and the the goblins are okay the the goblin king is great i loved painting that and i speed painted him but it was very easy to do um the terrain in that box is incredible it really was a fantastic starter um and, I, and it was nothing to do, I think, with the with the quality of the starter that meant that maybe didn't quite match expectations. Um, I think it was just down, down to the maybe how well the films were doing and things rather than anything else. But um, yeah, really high quality. That that I've I've ended up buying a couple of those boxes just for just for the miniatures, really, mainly for the yeah. Goblin Town and the and the, uh, the Goblin Town scenery and, and having extra goblins for my speed painted Goblin Town army earlier in the year, but. Um, I think I've yeah I've bought two full sets, one with it, with the dwarves half painted and including that extra radagast that's not painted. Well, you've you've got those now. You can you can do a bit of a an eBay rescue on them. But um, it's uh, I, I some in fact I've had three sets I think or no two and a half sets. I've got some extra bits somewhere else because Jacob's got a, a set of the dwarves as well. And I've got a set on sprue ready to go at some point in the future when I've got time in between all my other projects. But very very good set. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, I still can't believe this. When I first saw the Radagast model, I'd only ever seen it painted up to this point. I genuinely thought it was resin. Yeah. We're not seeing pictures of it in magazines and online and stuff because the quality, the depth of the detail, how sharp it is. Yes. And it turns out it's just, you know, a limited edition in, you know, inverted commas, plastic model. It's insane. It's such a beautiful sculpture. The face, it, it just looks like him. Yes, it, it does. It, it is him. It's brilliant. Even, I mean, he, a lot of the more recent models, um, regardless of some of the comments about AMO, you know, they look exactly as they should do, don't they? But that is a perfect sculpt of Radagas as represented in the uh, movies. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's really. I look forward to, to getting round to the time when 
I can paint them actually. Well, obviously, there's nothing stopping me painting them now. But in terms of being sensible about what I'm painting based on what what projects we've got coming up, um, it may well be next year before I start getting around to those things. Once I've got through this first sort of stage of playable um, Lord of the Rings films armies, so to speak, I've got a plan. It's probably a two year plan, but I will get there. Um, but um, yeah, very very cool. You don't know what they're going to release. That's so unwise. <laughs> I know, you can only you can only plan what you know, can't you? So yeah, this um, is why I'm not planning too far ahead because they're bound to release something new and shiny. I'm going to want, and everything's going to go straight out the window. <laughs> uh, I've I've met GW before. I know how it works. <laughs> well, I sent you my list the other day, didn't I? And it was a I've got a purchase list, which is quite small at the moment because which says how much stuff I've already got, and a kind of a build list, which kind of kind of inserts quest of the ring bearer stuff in before the helm's deep armies that were, were planned because we're pushing that back to to spring now and then post that really depends i suppose what will come out and um, but next year's plans post helm's deep in spring for the rest of the year at the moment are just thrown a skulls army uh, and then we will see but um if you know if no new things come out that that will completely derail it for me i'm you know i will carry on painting the armies that i've got in boxes which will be a sizable mordor army and um based around the, the Pelennor starter and, and start working on Minas Tirith stuff because they're other key players in in many a scenario, which is you know it's part of why I've said it many other times. People are bored of hearing it, but it's partly why I'm painting what I'm painting is is getting stuff to do some of the, the narrative scenarios that are in all these wonderful books to keep bringing out. But the list is big. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Um, right then, so uh, I mean, before I get into the other stuff I've been doing, we um, we 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 got together over the internet, didn't we? So it's something we've we've both done since we've last recorded. We got together on Saturday, the third of October, which would have been day one of Flotsman Jetsam, um, which we were gonna. That was then going to become a backup. Well, if we can't get everyone together, we'll try to get together for Helm's Deep. But, you know, the situation is what it was, that we didn't think that was sensible to do that either. Three people from different parts of the country. Um, so we decided we wouldn't meet up. And But we, we got online and we spent about six hours, didn't we, um, over the internet playing games. And we played six games. Um, yeah, yeah, good fun. Uh, and they were, you know, I'll tell you what we've played, um, but um, but we will be discussing them as, as sort of content for the future shows. But we 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 played Weathertop, which we you guys know was coming up for our main topic today. We both took turns in in, in playing each side. Um, and what else did we play? Um, remind me now. We play Taming of Smeagol. Taming of Smeagol and and uh, Shelob's Lair. Shelob's Lair. That's it. So we played those, and again we played both sides on that. So we played six games. Um, the uh, matchup dice um, that I normally get balanced out a little bit more. Um, you won four games, didn't you? Out of the six, yeah. The dice, res- so. results of those uh, <laughs> games might surprise you. But um, we won't go. You know, we won't go into too much detail about those games because so we're, we're, we're talking about Weathertop um, in the main segment today. Later on, um, and we'll talk about a little bit about the games and our experiences with that. And then we are going to do some, some main segments of shows. We're going to cover some of the smaller scenarios that we've been able to play online as well. And a couple of those will be in one of those topics, really, when we review those scenarios as well. Um, but we had some fun. I got my, I've got a, I've got had a six by four um, mouse pad mat um, that ages ago I cut down to a four by four, and then two less, two smaller two by two sections. Once I gave to, to Jacob as a little bit of a play mat, but one I've I've kept. Um, and I've got a, a rig over my desk where I can 
point my um, my um, proper camera that I use for the YouTube stuff facing down, um, and it lit up okay. I can just about get the whole two by two board in, um, and and on, through a for a video card, I was able to use it as the webcam. And obviously, I'm not the other end, but I think the quality was okay, wasn't it, Dan? Oh, absolutely fine. Yeah, I could still make out everyone. I could uh, discern all the individual characters even from a direct overhead angle. Um, yeah, it was great fun. Um, didn't feel left out from sitting this end. I'll be candid. I, I sat here after, especially after midday, had a glass of wine in my hand and <laughs> snacks. I was quite enjoying myself. It was a rather a rather pleasant way to spend a Saturday. And it goes to show that even in these more difficult times we're living in at the moment, you can still find ways of engaging with your hobby and enjoying yourself and being, you know, in our slightly warped, uh, you know, basement dwelling geek way, sociable. Yes, yes. I, I had loads of fun. And, and as I said, I think on the previous show, but definitely multiple times when we were playing, I, I felt that I had the better deal. I got to sit there with the miniatures. I got to um, kind of move them around. And, uh, and we were yeah, both, but we I got to be boss. Them. You know, dance, monkey boy, dance. You did, you did. But it, it, it did feel like it worked quite well. And obviously we played smaller scenarios there. So the, the most amount of miniatures on the board were 10. Um and we, yeah. we, we're not sure how it, it felt like it worked very well at two by two using those kind of number of miniatures and with the camera fixed I, I could have probably held the cam but you might have got sick especially if you're drinking and watching me sort of spinning the camera around i wouldn't <laughs> i would potentially like to maybe i've got a, i've got a second sort of um older camera that's, that's 1080 so i could potentially set two up so that i can kind of move it away but um maybe i'd need that if it was a larger board if it was a four by four or something but and we, you know we weren't recording this to, to to put up on youtube we were we were doing this so that we could play doesn't mean in the future we may not we may put it you know and that top down view could work on these smaller ones we probably wouldn't do anything larger we might play a game with a larger bomb but i probably wouldn't record anything larger but um with editing and being able to kind of highlight which miniatures are moving and things like that um we could potentially do it but there are people out there that are obviously doing much much better um quality battle reports than 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 we could ever do do really so that the the setup really was primarily about how we could get together and play a game online yeah part most at the moment actually yes yeah that we talked about a little bit before but that just really you know his that article on Warcom with him and, and Adam Trope playing that game so that they could do it for the article with all, all, all the Crabane just made me realise it can work um, because of the, 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 the size of the board as well. We were able to sort of, as I say, make it make it top down. It just worked. Um, and we're going to do some more. Um, I've, I, you know, we're going to do, we're gonna, the biggest we're going to try and do is probably going to be Balan's Tomb, isn't it? Um, uh, which will be interesting. I'd like to play on one hand. We, yeah, we, absolutely. We can we can do that as well. And I might be able to... It's models for that one, isn't it? Well, models for, for, for a few of them. We've got a few lined up that we've got the models for already. Um, but that's been stuff I've been working on. But we are definitely going to play some more. Um, Balance Tomb is two by two. So in terms of the camera facing top down, I think it will work well. And I think if you control the Fellowship... Um, at least first time round, that's the primary one. You you know you've got your, your nine models to control, um, rather than telling me where to move. Um, twenty four Moria goblins, etc. It might might work out better. But um, we can we could see how quickly it goes. We could try both, but that will be worth trying. I can't, I don't see us at the moment 
trying to do it on a four by four match place type of game. I don't think that will work as well. We we could make it work, but the fact that it's we're playing narrative games and we're really trying to be laid back and actually trying to recreate things and and play in a very narrative minded way means it works even better that with me moving the miniatures because I'm there going well if you you can move them here you can get here and have you thought about moving around there and it, we, we're just talking it through together and playing the game together and, it, and it, it, I felt it worked really nicely I'm looking forward to, to doing some more and it can be quite quick as well so we can on an evening we can do it we obviously we took a whole day and played six games but there's nothing stopping us in an evening grabbing an hour and a half or two hours and just uh, just playing one of them through and it means we can enjoy this book rather than just sitting there <sighs> getting really excited about this book you'd have heard from the previous episode review wanting to play them all making these plans to play them but quite often you know you run out a bit of steam don't you if you don't actually get to do it and then something new comes along and 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 and, and sort of distracts you whereas at the moment lots of people are building and painting and getting stuff ready for this and we're just finding a way to to do it uh, and get to i know we can i know legally in the part of the country we're at the moment we we can get together and play but um we know we've got distance between us which means that um makes that a little bit harder um just because you know, and you know we're, we're playing things safe anyway but um yeah i don't know if you've got any other thoughts on on us playing without giving away uh, this you know what we did in the scenarios and people hearing about it twice but um, i'm definitely looking forward to playing some more yeah definitely it's um, going to be lots of i've really enjoyed it it proves it works um even within a slightly limited fashion and yeah i do it's the only method I'm really good for gaming at the moment as well. Yes, yeah. And we, it might be that we adapt some of the other scenarios we do down to a smaller board size and see if it works. Um, and if not, you know, we, we have to set up a larger board, I set up a larger board and try a different way of, you know, I don't have to have my camera on that bracket. I've got other ways I can get the camera higher by uh, sticking it on the tripod and the tripod on, on, on the desk, so to speak, and have another table out. So there will be ways of doing it. Um, so, you know, we will try other things. Um, I think it being low model count is, my prediction is it being low, generally low model count is what really will make it enjoyable and make the turns quick enough that it doesn't drag on too much. And um, I think then if you do have a higher model count, you need a smaller board so it's condensed, if that makes sense, I think. And hopefully that, hopefully, um, Banner's Tomb works. But we will report back to you because, you know, this is some of the content that's coming up if you you guys haven't worked it out already based on the way we're talking. Um, is there anything else you've done or anything else you've got planned at the moment that you can talk about? This I know you're trying to keep your fantasy fellowship fairly secret at the moment, so I don't want to push you too far on those. Well, um, generally enjoying my gaming. Um, I'm not going down to the local club at the moment. Um, there's nothing going on with that. Uh, so I'm finding other ways. Um, starting to do little bits and pieces of my board at home. Um, ben and I are working on another one of our locals. Um, won't name him just in case it doesn't pay off, but we, <laughs> yeah, we're, still, we're putting the screws to him and we're trying to get him because he's always been a massive Tolkien boy as well. So Anyone I know? Dyson. Oh, I, yeah, I know of, of him. Yeah, everyone knows of Dyson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I reckon we'll get him. We're determined to get him. Um, we've got him interested in the books. He's like, oh, the Rohan are quite nice. I'm like, yeah, they are quite nice, aren't they? And uh, Ben can lend him some. So, yeah, I reckon we'll get him. So we're working on him. It'd be really nice to have another couple of people locally who are into it. Um, you got a Particularly few. while we're still able to potentially game at each other's houses if, you know, with the current restrictions. I mean, as you said, we, we could even with ourselves, but it's a distancing with traveling in the day and stuff. Yeah. Whereas that's if that's the problem, isn't it? We were talking about before is that we want to be very safe. 
Um, and again, we're not trying to preach to anyone, which is just the way we feel. But we'd we'd want to, you know, we'd we'd be keeping our masks on even even inside, etc. We want to do it do it in that kind of way, just because we you know we're from completely different towns from a long way away, and we don't see each other often. That's where that's the the kind of the the example of 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 mixing in a in a potentially dangerous way, isn't it? But and if you meet for two hours to play a game and you do it COVID secure, then I think that's all right. But when you're traveling all that way, you kind of want to make it longer, don't you? So that means you get, you hang out for a longer time. The more you hang out, the more you're going to want to maybe not take, not wear a mask and we'd want to have a few drinks and stuff. And that's what we really want to do, but that's probably not the sensible thing to do right now. So if we were in the same town, yeah, we probably would have got together for those games and, 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 played it in my conservatory with the doors open or something or even in the garden with a gazebo over us or something but it just just doesn't work the distance mixed with covid at the moment just makes it a little bit more uh challenging yeah so having someone more local having a few people local yeah pick up games weekday evening or something where you can like play in the kitchen and you know leave the back door open so it's got a bit of ventilation yeah i mean as well it's not just that but you've got other people in your house to consider I mean, I, admittedly, I do to a point, but, you know, it's not quite the same thing as, you know, you being self-employed, you've got, you know, your wife and you've, you've got your kids as well, and they're going to go and mix with other kids at school and nursery. <laughs> the kids you need to be scared of, probably. It's probably more danger to you. The kids are there. Well, no. <laughs> the super, children super are pretty super scary person. anyway. Uh, but, um, <laughs> no, it, there are a great many things to consider, and as we've said before, it's all about personal responsibility. I wouldn't feel quite so bad about get, having a few people over and gaming in my kitchen with certain restrictions in place, you know. Yeah, yeah. Good ventilation and things like that, especially because most of us are relatively, you know, responsibility-free and mm-hmm. et cetera. You know, it's all about making that personal choice and looking at personal responsibilities. Admittedly, I don't have many, so I can make those choices. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, that's where we are with it. And I don't feel like I can go down to the club at the moment, but I do feel like having the odd person around for a little bit in my kitchen is not quite so bad yes yes while you're, while you're able to yeah obviously if the advice changes then the advice changes and we'll comply with that because to be honest the quicker we get to the end of this and yeah. you know I can start doing life things that make you know going to work and everything else worth doing yeah, <laughs> Just, yeah. yeah. I mean everyone would probably admit to this point it seems like it's been a long year now and even the most optimistic and most comfortable of us in this situation are probably a little bit weary of it and would like to get to the end of it. So the more that I can do in my own way to get closer to being done, the better. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. I, I always look forward to um, spring and summer. I'm definitely just more of a, basically, I wish I could wear shorts 12, 12 months of the year. And it's, I know you technically could, but it does still get a little bit cold when you're walking the dog or when, with shorts on when it's a bit chilly. So I, I would I would happily live somewhere in warmer climes. So I tend to look, I don't get me wrong, I, I like a nice cosy Christmas period, but when it drags on for four or five months of cold, I don't like it. So, um, and, it, and the, the new dawn of, of summer and spring may well dawn um, a, a nicer, a nicer kind of, world outlook so uh two two things to look forward to next year i think more for me but uh we're going to cheer ourselves up anyway by continuing to do the stuff that we've that we've planned and, and play some more games over the over the internet at least we're playing games as such such now and we're playing narrative games so we will continue so there will be will be some things to look forward to which is the main thing and to be fair i actually have really enjoyed that form of gaming i have to clear it's because people are going to laugh at this, but I'm not particularly a competitive gamer. Yeah. I, I'm reasonably good at playing competitively, but it's not my wheelhouse naturally. I much prefer just to have a laugh 
So playing these games where there's less stakes rather than just, you know, the narrative stakes is really nice because yeah. you, you get to make decisions as will come up in the review that we've Yes, I was just going to say there's a couple of things that we do in, in, in the Weathertop scenario that that would, you know, we clearly playing it in a narrative kind of way and trying different things to make it work. So, uh, and we will continue to do that. Um, and yeah, some of the games we're, we've got planned, they might be quite short. So we might, we'll try them multiple times and, 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 and keep trying to sort of make them work for us. So to speak in a narrative way, but we're both like that kind of side of things. And this book has, has brought that along. I suppose that brings me really on to what I've been doing. Cause a lot of it's based around planning for, for, for stuff for this book at the moment. I, don't think when we last chatted I'd finished painting Shalob and uh, and Sam from the clutches of Shalob. You were Sam. close. Yeah, I had back a little look through. back at the show notes from episode 21 and it wasn't in there. So, uh, yeah, uh, so I'd finished that. You know, most of you who are listening to this will have seen it anyway if you're on our social media. So you've seen I've posted pictures of that. So I've painted that. Just I've had the set for, for a couple of months and it was a bit of an eBay bargain. So I thought, right, I'm going to... Um, finished that because that will come up in the book and we obviously used it um and then very recently in terms of recording um this week i finished farmer maggot and the three dogs so that's all there he's all done ready for another scenario which we haven't yet played but that might be in the next batch of ones that we get together and do um i've um knocked up a quick buckleberry ferry which i've now painted you haven't seen the painted pictures have you dan um i don't um, no. In fact, I haven't taken pictures of it painted. We haven't seen it painted. I'm just doing it today. But so I using leftover bits from the Palisades um, Rohan Palisades kit and a little bit from the Rohan buildings. Um, I uh, knocked up a, a Buckleberry Ferry. Really, um, it's quite fun and it was ridiculously quick and easy to do. So total build and paint time is about two hours. And it's just really really simple. And I've um, sprayed it and Zenithal highlighted it and then just did it all in. Um, glazed it in, in contrast paints and different browns and things um, bit of dry brushing bang, done um, and it all worked fine um, I looked at the, the pictures in the book and I thought oh, is this nice, nice sort of made out it looks like balsa wood or something like that and they look really really cool and I thought I, it's the balance between making something that's cool but reusable but also doesn't take up a ridiculous amount of time um, I don't want to spend sort of six or seven hours making something that might actually be a 20 minute scenario as well don't get me wrong, you'll play it again, but I don't want to, to unbalance the amount of time I was going to have to make to do it. And I thought, well, this is a quick way of doing it, and it worked quite well. Um, and then I suppose linked to that, it's not quite the order in my notes I've got, but I, uh, I need I need a river to do, um, to do Buckleberry Ferry, and I don't own any river at all for any um, scenery, and I've got a lot of scenery for... for for um, Middle Earth at the moment, um, <laughs> just quite a bit. I'm, I'm getting close to the twelve. I mean, I've, yeah, I've about twelve tables worth of the stuff now. Um, and I imagine I think when you can run an entire event off the back of your own senior collection, it would be considered a bit. It is quite a bit. You know, it's intentional. It's partly for me, part for the ability to 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 run events and um, yeah. But anyway, um, I, so I was looking at um, I was looking on eBay at river sections um, and. There wasn't much I liked. There was a lot of homemade style stuff. Um, some homemade roads, which are quite cool. I've ordered some. I haven't arrived yet, but I've ordered some sort of homemade roads that I'm going to spruce up and repaint slightly. Um, there's a 
that's clearly a small business that kind of makes them out of, casts them out of resin and paints them up themselves. They're, they're going to be fine. Um, but I just couldn't find any river that just, if I'm going to be honest, didn't look awful. Didn't look like a school paint, a school kids project. Um, so I thought, oh, I don't really want to spend ages with resin pores and things. Um, I just wanted to do it quick and easy. And, um, and then I remembered seeing some stuff on um, Green Stuff World. And they do these, basically, it's 2D terrain. It's neoprene mat so it's more mouse pad mat and i'm not a big fan of 2d terrain for normal gaming <laughs> you would seem a bit poor when you've got a beautiful painting miniatures to have 2d terrain it work the user a bit in, in middle in war machine sometimes mm-hmm. and that's a very very mathematical very precise most competitive war game i've played um and it works really well to have 2d because you never got the problem where stuff's balancing um but i thought for river i haven't got a problem with it really um see a lot of these um mouse pads they've got like roads and stuff on them anyway haven't they a lot of these these mats we play on um and then you just kind of place the buildings around the roads and things and i thought well you know what i can accept it for the river as well and I th- they're on offer at the moment so it's 25 pounds and you get 23 bits in it but they're like like eight inches by 12 inches sections it's really quite quite a lot you could probably use it over two four by four tables um and they're really good. And I've just recorded, before we started recording actually, Dan, I've just recorded a short 10-minute unboxing video for it. So I'll try and get it edited and sort of put up on the channel for the next couple of next couple of days so just so people can see what I'm talking about. But anyway, I bought that so we can use it for Buckleberry Ferry. Now, it's not the widest. The actual picture of the river on the things isn't the widest ever. So uh, I haven't been back to the scenario and, and checked how wide it says it should be. But we'll just have to um, make that work. It might be. It's not so narrow that the whole Buckleberry Ferry becomes a bridge <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it's not too far off but we'll, we'll make it work for the scenario and it should look quite cool um and what else have i done so i've you know i i don't know if i talked about this on the last show or not I, I think it was just with you i've been agonizing over what to do about the breaking of fellowship because i looking at that legendary legion made me think oh, i actually quite like the idea of, of of playing this and i was agonizing a little bit over do i get try and get hold of the breaking of the fellowship i know they put it they, they have it on sale at warhammer world and they, i think it's gone out of stock at the moment but i'm sure it'll be back soon but do I try and get a set of that? I think it's forty-five pounds, um, which is fine. I think that's good value for 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 eight miniatures, um, or is it nine? Do you get the? Do you get? The, did you? You get Gandalf. You it's do the, get the Gandalf, um, don't you? The um, Kazadum. Kazadum. Right. Yeah. So for nine miniatures, do you do do I pay the forty-five pounds? And it wasn't the money. It was more the fact that the how many multiples of fellowship models I'd end up with because I've just painted a fellowship. I've got the wonderful plastic three hunters which at the moment are going to have use in the helm's deep siege game and could potentially be used with my army of the dead but i'm really not planning on using the army of the dead very often so it's when do i crack these miniatures out um so i thought well let's is there another way of doing breaking of the fellowship if i use my plastic three hunters i've got to get the rest essentially and i've already got the sam and frodo that fit in with the ranges of Athelian listers. I think Emma Mill set. Um, uh, they've got Elven Cloaks, which is the most important thing. So then that leaves me with Boromir, Merry and Pippin. Um, I quite like the plastic Boromir from the the, the, the not widely regarded um, plastic Fellowship set. Quite like the pose and the face is pretty good. Looks like Sean Bean. And so I've got one. I've checked the scale and it works perfectly with the, the, the plastic... Um, three so i've sculpted a um cloak on him in green stuff so that's him sorted 
Um, so it just needs Merry and Pippin. Well, I over the last couple of days, I found the breaking of the fellowships, Merry and Pippin, individually. Don't get me wrong; I've paid over the odds of what they would be worth if I bought the whole <laughs> breaking of the fellowship. But it's still <coughs> it's still been cheaper than buying the breaking of the fellowship, so to speak. So I will have my own um, breaking of the fellowship without having to paint too many multiples of stuff that I've already got, if that makes sense. So the, the Frodo and Sam, if I ever do a Rangers list for narrative play, I want to add, um, I'll have those ready to go, those sculpts that work for that. I've got the three Hunters plastic that I can use in multiple lists, and it'll just be an extra Merry Pippin and Boromir that I can, you know, will be used primarily for that. So that's sorted in terms of purchases. Obviously, they're not painted yet. Um got loads of stuff haven't I uh, I've picked up um, the new version of the Unfinished Tales and we were talking about this before we started recording um, it was out last month I think um, just with the new Alan Lee I think it's Alan Lee artwork on the outside the same style books as all the, the, the latest sort of Baron and Luthien and uh, Children of Huron and um, um, what's it called um for the gondolin, I say I got that at Christmas. So, same same sort of style art book books. I just thought yeah, it's only twenty pound on Amazon. I thought oh, I really fancy that. And look, they've got loads of new illustrations and things, or illustrations I don't have copies of anyway. So, pick that up to sit on the shelf mainly. I've got an older copy that I'll use for reading. But uh, um, and then I was able to find some Balan's Tomb because it, it was so popular, it went out of sale quite quickly, didn't it? On on the main website, but uh, I was able to find on eBay. Two sets, uh, well, so one full set and then an extra set of pillars, and then loads of the extra, you know, the stuff that came in the starter set. So like the broken statues that um, you can use on your weather tops and things like that. The fallen statue and the, um, I'm trying to think what they're called. You don't know the one I mean, do you? I can tell from the silence. Um, the oh, you're on about the original. Um... Yeah, not middle of terrain, aren't you? Yeah, not the, the walls, but the kind of the, the the ruins, and they're quite good, quite well sculpted, good quality things. I had quite a few of those in there as well, and I got the whole lot for about thirty pounds, mm-hmm. which is primarily I was after the pillars anyway because I already had one set of balanced tomb and built anyway. So anyway, I've got sort of two and a half sets of balanced tomb now, and the main thing I wanted was extra pillars. So I've got I've now got twelve of the pillars. I probably only need eight, but I want to sort of build it like the the layout in the book um rather than just having the the four pillars which doesn't quite match it um so i've got that and i've actually bought some blue foam to do that with and the blue foam i've actually got in sheets and they're 60 centimeters which is like half an inch off um two foot so that'll that'll be it i'm not going to worry about the extra half an inch so i can basically build a balanced tomb board um and that'll be probably one of the next things i do actually um i've built loads of moria (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I haven't started painting them yet I've still got some more to build so be, some of that will be coming up on Battle Games um, I think as we record this on a Tuesday the next Battle Games on Friday is going to be a, a Moria themed one isn't it the Battle Games stream but um, I really want to have the models I need to do the scenario for Balanced Tomb so it's like 24 Moria Goblins um, and Kazadum as well so I've built my Balrog I've got built the Troll ready to go and I've just bought a couple of extra bits as well so I found an extra captain online so I thought if I was going to build them paint some Moria Goblins and the way I like to batch paint I'm not going to want to go back and do more so I'm actually going to paint about 40 of them I think in the end maybe maybe more so I'm going to paint about 40 and I've got enough captains so that I can have a run it as the legendary legion should I want to so it's there it'll be done on the shelf and uh, 
because if I play them now, I'd probably play as Legend Legion. So rather than going and getting the name captains and things like that, I've still got more in a bag. Um, I can't bring myself to do all like 60 or I think I've got about 70 in total. I just can't bring myself to do it. Um, so they're almost ready to go. I've been just been really busy a couple of weeks, just and it's all to do with Quest. This is all to do with Quest of the Ring Bearer. Pretty much everything I've listed, apart from buying unfinished tales, is all inspired by this, this book. Um, and I bought couple more buildings so i've got a bit like damien i've got some of the um foreground buildings i've only got a couple though i don't think i've got as many as him so i've ordered another one on ebay that was quite cheap i got it for about six or seven quid i think and then i found a big building that's a, a pre-colored one a bit like those but it's not by the same company um which you've seen the pictures of it haven't you it should make a really nice prancing pony substitute yes um, which is a bit bigger. So I've ordered that as well, and that should be arriving this week. So that will give us all the stuff we need to do for the Nazgul and Bree scenario, um, apart from, obviously, Barlamon, Harry and Bill, which I've pre-ordered last Friday, which will be arriving after the show goes out, no doubt. But um, So, yeah, all but unfinished tales there is all about playing probably six or seven scenarios from, from Quest of the Ringbearer, um, and pretty much... It's it's nice to be planning for gaming, so we're not you know we're not we're not painting for an event, which is what I may have been doing now. I probably would have been stressing and trying to finish off a display board for Throne of Skulls, but I've kind of ploughed that energy now into getting stuff we needed done, and it's nice as a mix between painting some models, making some terrain, and and doing some planning towards playing these scenarios over this winter. And we're gonna it's gonna be content for the show. It's you know like we said, it's really nice to get together and play online. Um, and I'm really pumped for it. It's just from being quite kind of, I've not been jaded by, by how COVID's affected my hobby, so to speak. I've been disappointed, but there's been enough good stuff that I've still been excited about Middle Earth. But this has just pushed it up to another level for me. It's just really, really enjoying it at the moment. And yeah, you know, we've buying buying things and not actually spending much money because I had an awful lot of these things already. A lot of these things are cheap, so but but buying a few things here and there, painting up things like Farmer Maggot and the Three Dogs, well, that's all I need for that scenario. Um, I've got all the scenario, all of the terrain I need. I've even got mats that I've already turned into fields and stuff. It's nice just to open a box and go, let, let's let's try it. So, yeah, very excited to um, paint up those last bits. Um, I may, I've already decided, I've never done any painting videos yet, but I've decided that for one of Barnum and Harry or Bill, I will I will try and record a painting video and put that up on our channel, um, demonstrating the technique that I've been using with the contrast paint. So that kind of semi-quick paint job, but sort of fairly high tabletop standard, so to speak. Um, so I think it might look quite well with someone like Harry with his sort of leathery dark coat. Um, should show the technique quite well. So I may well do a painting video for one of those as well. Oh, that'd be cool. Just yeah, I just want to show off the how that pre pre highlighting um, with the airbrush, and then going in and, and sort of doing some of those pre white edge highlighting, and then doing those glazes. Um, it's, it's easy to talk about it on the show, but quite hard to to get everyone to understand what I mean. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know how it'll go. I don't know whether whether my lighting on my camera will be good enough to keep focus to make it usable because it's not usable. I won't I won't put it put it up. But um, I haven't got a you know I haven't got a I've only got the one lens that came with the camera. It's a good camera, but I've only got the one lens that came with it, and I don't know how good that will be to keep it focused for, for sort of when I'm moving my hands around and painting and things, and it's definitely that's a different challenge. But, um, yeah, so there's there's lots of content, lots of things planned that I'm really looking forward to, all related to this book, and quite a lot of content should come out of it as well. 
um, for, for, the, for the channel and for the, for the podcast. So should be a fairly good autumn stroke winter before Christmas for, for all those things. Oh, definitely. It would be good to start get some stuff put together. I really ought to get something done for the YouTube. <laughs> I keep threatening to. Well, I need a proper camera. I need lighting. Lighting is definitely a big thing for me. Definitely, definitely. Well, I will. Um, the, the, if you search those circular lights, those those sort of, you can get some that you can put your camera into, um, and they're like twenty odd quid. But you can spend as, as low as like eight quid for a little desk stand and one of those little circular daylight things that uh, kind of market for people to do home videos for um, YouTube and stuff. But um, they're great for great for lighting miniatures and stuff just a, a few of those might make a big difference um yeah even, i'll have my task lamp after christmas and they're, they're amazing even just pop it i've got a daylight bulb in in my main lamp lamp in the in the office as well um and yeah it makes it makes sense i not really do anything in here that needs soft lighting it's always it needs to be quite bright um so that makes a difference. I know your your it's your your living room as well as your your hobby room, isn't it? So you might not always want a daylight bulb in there. It might be yeah. a bit hard. Not to mention it's enormous this room and the um the main light fittings right in the centre of it. So yeah, that would make Back a difference. But just a couple of a couple of um a couple of lamps with with white light or daylight bulbs will will make a huge difference for taking photographs and stuff. But but yeah, video you don't have to be a totally light video. But I noticed that when I was filming my videos. Um, in the daytime, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to get your light balance. Want to try it in the, in the evenings? You think, even though it feels really light in the room, you start noticing it when you start looking at the camera, thinking, "Ah, oh, it's looking a bit dark." And, uh, and as we draw into the winter and have most of the free time I have will be when it's dark, um, then uh, yeah, I, I need to make sure the light's quite good as well. But no pressure. But it'd be cool if you do want to do some videos. But uh, we'll, yeah, we, we, should get some <laughs> we should get some requests now. People there, uh, people should uh, come and. Uh, come and tell you exactly what they want have you met some of my friends you've just asked for that <laughs> well well it's not going to hurt me is it um <laughs> stallard might be listening to this <laughs> yeah but he, he probably requested a completely different kind of video we wouldn't be able to pick it up anyway um right then so i've we, you know i've rabbit yeah moving on at that point i think yeah definitely <laughs> let's move on let's 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 go for a break and we'll come back and you'll have a much more sensible review and chat around Weathertop. The hour grows late and bland of grey plastic comes seeking my counsel. You are sure of this bland elf? Yes, the event is fully painted. It was in the event pack, under my nose the whole time. Yet you did not have the wit to see it. Your love for the Facebook group has slowed your mind. We must join him, Blandalf, the commission painter. We must be fully painted. When did Surly Man the White give in to madness? But I am now Surly Man of many colours. Miniature Realm Studio is a commission painting service. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Or contact us directly at miniaturerealmstudio at gmail.com. You have elected the way of paint. And we're back, and we're here to talk about Weathertop. Um, so as we mentioned a little bit earlier in the intro, that um, that Dan and I played some games over the internet the other day using a webcam, um, and uh, we, we played the new Weathertop scenario twice, um, and we decided we were... You know, we already knew we were going to talk about it as a, as a bit of a segment. Um, so we decided that, um, well, you know, make that segment a little bit bigger. Let's actually kind of look at 
look at the some of the older weathertop scenarios and and how Games Workshop have approached it and covered it in the past, um, and and make a make a bit of a topic of it really. And we may do this sort of same kind of treatment for some of the other scenarios, depending on the size of them. Um, some of the smaller ones might get lumped into to, to one segment. So what we're going to do, we're going to go through what we think are all of the previous um, coverage of it. Um, we may be wrong. I only had a quick flick through all the books I've got. And there may be something in a white dwarf as well that, uh, that, that we haven't noticed. So please do get in touch if you know of another scenario that's related to, to other top that we don't cover. But we're just going to have a quick kind of discussion and talk about the, the previous things, including battle games in Middle Earth. And then we'll end with the latest scenario, and we'll talk a little bit about how we found playing it, and um, and and sort of give some conclusions at the end. Should just be a nice chat about narrative gaming, right? Then, so are you ready, Dan? Shall we start talking about Weathertop? As I will ever be. I will caveat though that we're actually going reverse order into which I took my notes, so uh, you're going to have to bear with me on a few of these. But uh, let's crack into Battle Games in Middle Earth, issue twelve. Absolutely. See, what I do is I, I gave Dan a reading list, and then after I waited for him to read everything and take all the notes, then I then I compiled the show notes in a completely different order to to what he's done. I, I didn't know what he'd done, but you know, I just just assumed. Um, so it, it would be a, a good assumption to know that I would read them in the list that you gave me them in. <laughs> Just as I was finding them, but I, I, I thought it'd be silly to end with older stuff. It'd be better to end with the actual discussion about the game we played. But I only came to that um, thought after I'd sent you the reading list. But as you said, battle games in, in Middle Earth. So, um, so battle games in Middle Earth issue twelve, wasn't it? Was indeed. Yes, it was twelve. The Gandalf issue. The Gandalf issue, and it, I suppose it's not really. Doesn't say weather top as such, does it? But there's 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 a bit of a theme in it around it. No, it's called Clash of Wills, um, meant to very well advertise um, the magic section of the game, which is what it predominantly seems to be covering in that issue. Yes, that's right. Um, so yeah, do you want to do you want to give us a bit of an overview of uh, of of what's in the magazine in terms of the, the scenario, um, and then I'll chip in with 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 this, there's anything that I've got this this extra to you. Yeah, of course. Um, so as I said, it's called Clash of Wills. That is the name of the game. Um, it's not really presented in what would be later recognisable to most people in terms of a scenario. The broad strokes are there in terms of who's fighting, uh, the victory conditions, etc. So as will become quite common for this, um, it's a character versus the Witch King and four Ringwraiths. Tends to be that number, although we will see later that isn't always the case. But in this case, it is Gandalf. So it's not the fight of Frodo and the other hobbits, plus Aragorn when he's off having a jaunt picking flowers versus the Ringwraiths. It is narratively from the book, Gandalf's fight with the Ringwraiths on Emon Sol the night before, where Aragorn and the hobbits can see flashes coming over from the direction. So it's that part of the book. So it is presented on a non-standard table. It's a four-foot square table, but I think that's due to it being a magazine meant to introduce people into the game. So therefore, it's presented to be slightly more approachable for people with a coffee table or a dining table. Um, It includes a weakened Gandalf, so it reduces him down to two might, two fate. And it's pretty simple. The good side wins, or Gandalf wins, if he manages to leave the table, and evil wins if Gandalf is killed. So it is pretty simple, and what it does is it encourages uh, use of magic for the scenario. 
Um, it also does include in that magazine, not as that part of that particular article, although it's used, a uh, hilltop ruin guide, which is a sort of stylistic impression of Amon Sul. It includes sprue rubble. So for those of us who are slightly older, they'll remember that, <laughs> which is pretty cool. It made me laugh when I was reading it. But it's just generally a pretty simple scenario. There's there's no frills to it. Um, included in the magazine, actually, there are um, some sort of cardboard standees for the Witch King and the Ring Wraiths. Yes. And I do believe you've got Aragorn, uh, Gandalf with the article. You do. You get the, it's the one without his hat, isn't it? It's almost the, I think of it as the Khazad-dum. Yes. Um, Gandalf. Um, but that was the one. The dishevelled Gandalf. Yes. Yeah. It's, I haven't got that one though. So it, 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 as it's a battle games in Middle Earth one, they're usually fairly cheap on eBay. So I might, might search that one out for, for a future project. But yeah, I, it, what you, pretty much what you've said, it's uh, it's a part of the magazine that's set up to um, introduce magic. Um, now I haven't got the, the current profiles for those um those for those for those models those heroes as it is but like you said they might they're not dissimilar they look pretty similar i mean the the standard witch king and and, and wraiths start with their the same minimum will that they do now which is 10 for the witch king and seven for the wraith so that's all fairly similar um they've got no morgul blade no, no, that's a good point. There's no Morgul Bade. The race have got Transfiction, Compel, Drain Courage, Sat Will. There's no, um, there's no um, um, Dart there. Um, Gandalf has got Blast, uh, Sorcerer's Blast, Immobilize, Command, Terrifying Aura. So there's things that, that are very familiar to us in the sort of the modern day SPG world. Um, like you mentioned, there's a four by four board. Gandalf starts in the middle. One wraith starts on each board edge, but um, eighteen inches away, so not right on the edge. And then the witch king can come on from any board edge for six inches away. And I think I don't remember which which um, I was going to say issue, but that's not the right word. Which episode it was, but Damien and Steve played this on the corresponding Battle Games in Middle Earth stream, which is obviously still up. This one, this is one of the ones you'll find on the GBHL channel. They've not moved it over to the new Battle Streams channel yet, but they they played this scenario on the stream and they used it was Steve did it from his end and they used Steve's um weather top, um, I believe. Um and it was it was quite cool to watch. So it's yeah, you look at it in the magazine and it's it doesn't look like weather top because the ruins are different really. There's kind of little small patches of rubble. Um but you it's definitely related to what we're talking about. And like you said, the terrain article, if you don't have 260 odd pounds to purchase a weathertop model and you're not super super confident with building a large weathertop the, the really basic hilltop ruin that they call in here if you can get hold of a copy of issue 12 and they're so cheap if you buy them without the models on on ebay um you really could make yourself something usable um to to play the scenario if it's you know if it's really terrain building and modeling and stuff maybe you're new to it or, or maybe you're and you just don't like doing it um it's pretty buildable i'd say you know it's uh, it's not the most basic they've done um you could change some of the um tools well, there's balsa wood and a saw here i mean you could easily use different things but the actual walls themselves are even corrugated cardboard and masking tape and stuff it's very battle games in middle earth but you could from it build some really usable ruined bits that can quite easily mean you could play the the newest weathertop scenario if you've got a game uh, a, a book a copy of quest for the ring bear so i thought it's quite nice it's quite a nice reference point especially if you are newer to the modeling side of things if you don't want to use the scenario itself um uh, and then what's the next um sort of serving of weathertop that we found from previous years then dan 
Uh, we're talking about the Fellowship Edition of the Rulebook. So uh, this would be Scenario 2, Weather Top, on page 66. Right, yep. And uh, this is this is more of a kind of uh, a traditional um, SPG scenario. This is obviously not about the games of Middle-earth thing. This is the game proper. Um, um, and it's, you know, there's no surprises there. This is the proper weather top in terms of the participants. So you've got Aragorn, Frodo, Sam, Merry and Pippin. The evil side are five ring wraiths, one of which is, is the Witch King. Obviously, they're all on foot. Um, there's a little note in there about that if you want to play it with different sides, but use the scenario, then points match-wise, it would be 300 points per side. Um, Why well, you don't want to play this, I suppose, but without recreating it with the proper characters i'm not sure but you know it could be fun um and then basically you've got uh the layout of the table is a um a, a approximately 12 inch diameter um of ruins so weather top though with a picture on there means you could use the ruins that are in battle games in middle earth you could you just find your own ruins and place them in a circle as well if you've got those kind of things if you've got the um what was the, the the ones that came in that edition, wasn't there? There's like the, the couple of the statues that had fallen and a couple of pillars and things like that. You could almost get yeah. away with using a couple of sets of those in a circle and, and, and still play the scenario quite well. Um, it's a hobbit set up in the centre. I think Aragorn comes on six inches from the edge of the circle on one side and the wraiths start 18 inches from the edge of the circle on the other um, and when I first read, read that, I thought, well, that, you know, that means Aragorn's going to get there be- before them. Um, but then, as I read a bit further on, I read the objectives and special rules and things, and that, and that actually kind of makes that not quite as, as obvious as that. Um, so, the evil side wins if the good side is driven from the circle at the start of any turn, or Frodo is killed. And then the good side wins if the evil side is driven for the circle once five turns have passed. So the, they've got five turns at least to get there from their eight inches away, um, eighteen inches away, which should be no problem at all. Um, is a draw if no models are in the circle, but Frodo lives. Um, the good side, though, before they can start doing anything, have to detect that the enemy is approaching, um, and they do that on a on a four plus. So if they don't roll their four plus, the the enemy just keeps moving towards the circle. Um, I think they automatically know they're approaching when they're six inches away, um, or if they attempt to sort of shoot or use any magical powers or anything like that. They even have to test for courage in the circle um, because of the fire at the centre, sort of scared of the the, the bright light of the fire. Um, no models can pass through it, um, and all good models can give up to half the move to tell, like, basically make a flaming brand. Um, and if you've got a flaming brand, it forces a wraith back a full move after the one inch back away. So if they lose a combat, um, they back away one inch, and then they'd have to move back the full six inches as well from the flaming brand. So that would mean they wouldn't be able to charge that same model the next turn. Um, what else is it? There's no no sting or mithril coat for um, for Frodo, which makes sense. No elven cloaks for the for the, for the hobbits. Um, um, and it's dark as well, so the, the good models can only see six inches unless they're within six inches of the fire or carry a brand. Um, and I think that's pretty much it, really. Um, so it's not kind of not you could play it on a smaller table size than normal. No, it's not fully, you know, it's not as quite a, a super small. You're still talking 18 inches from the campsite one side, so it's probably going to be almost four foot across one way, but you can narrow it down the other way if you wanted to. Um, but yeah, I thought it was 
when I first read it, I thought, oh, hello, Aragorn uh, starts a bit close. He's just going to get there before the the race do. But if you don't know their, um, if you don't know they're moving towards you, um, there's a good chance that he's going to not get there until that until they're in there. I think it's quite basic, isn't it? There's not a lot going on there. Um, yes and no. Some of the rules I found quite convoluted, and I really didn't like it. Became too much about board control. Yeah, because it should be about the ring and Frodo and there's too much of this forcing out of circle malarkey for me. It should be a case of has Frodo got the ring on and is he alive? Yes. That's it. Yeah. It's become it's the balance. I feel they're trying to balance it as a, as a, as, as a scenario as like a, something that could work as a matched play thing. Maybe that's the, the whole points match comic paragraph in there about using alternative um, sides um, maybe kind of lends to that a little bit then you're just controlling the circle and actually maybe it's a cool little scenario where you're um where you're a good side controlling a small sort of circle of ruins and you've got to con- take control of it with 300 points aside small warband thing maybe it's quite a cool scenario for that but it doesn't necessarily take with it all the feel of trying to get to frodo yes frodo's got to be killed and he automatically wins so maybe that would happen anyway because maybe the maybe the evil player is just going to be trying to kill frodo and that's the whole point of it so maybe it would feel more like actually playing it but you don't there's no rules there that kind of dictate that other than frodo's the one to be killed um but it's okay i don't think it's i don't think it's bad i think it's playable in fact i wouldn't mind playing it i mean in hindsight now we could have played through all of these and, and, and compared them in a different way um Instead of doing what we did, which is play a few different scenarios, I'm quite happy with what we did. But would have been would have been something that we could have done as well. Just see how they compare. But it's fine. It's cool. It's cool. Not not no problems with it. Um, I think it's maybe missing a special rule about the uh, about the race and things. And when we see some of the the, the the latest one and the next one coming up, and some of the rules in those, um, you know, they've added a little bit more flavour to it. Um, okay, so that, so the next one I'll introduce it and then I'll let you uh, let you run through it down. So the next one is from the Fellowship of the Ring Journey book, and it's uh, you start with um, well, there's quite a lot in this, isn't it? Because it's a journey book. So what you start yes. with is an Amonsul terrain guide, don't you? So do you want to talk us through what's that? What that's like a little bit? Yeah, for, uh, this is kind of the Rolls Royce, I think, of the different versions of this particular scenario. Um, as we touched on when we were talking about um, doing uh, Helm's Deep, the journey books are far more all-round hobby orientated because they're journey books. Yeah. Um, so this struck a, the greatest chord with me. I feel um, it gave you a little bit of everything. Um, there's a really, really good painting guide. So it actually covers. Um, the Hobbits, um, Rangers, so it's one way to, to approach Strider, and the Ring Wraiths, that's pages sort of six through nine. Yeah. There's a dedicated Aragorn one on page 32, and the Gandalf in page 33, if you want to run those. And then a really good Amonsul how-to on page 34, which includes templates, which even tells you you need to photocopy them at 200% and then cut everything out and you can make your own Amonsul, and I think that's fantastic. It's old school GW style stuff, which I love. It's a really good model guide as well. So if you were, so you heard me banging on about that, if you didn't like model building, um, but still wanted to play it, then the Battle Games of Middle Earth has got a good solution for you. Well, this is the next stage. This is the, if you, uh, maybe you are a good model builder or maybe maybe you're happy to give it a go, because I wouldn't say this was super advanced, 
but the outcome is fantastic and you're basically you're losing phone call card um i say card there's no card involved in it really it's the phone call where you've got the the polystyrene board with the cardboard thin cardboard either side and basically xps foam um and uh, and that's all you really really need um you can add a little bit extra you can't you can add the, the statues like i said from that little terrain kit um but it looks like stuff that's fairly easy to get hold of. And if you follow the instructions there, which are really well laid out, you could build yourself a really, really awesome Ammon Saw board that's super playable. And if you really want to play this and you want to have an awesome set of terrain that you can also have the centre of your, your match play SPG games, there's nothing wrong with that going somewhere on a board, um, but you haven't got £263 or you don't want to do what I did, which is you know purchase a, uh, a non-weather top, which is a, a 3D printed set of terrain that's kind of a circular ruin because um, that was still wasn't cheap. You know, that was still £100 worth of um, 3D printed stuff. If you want to build one yourself, then really if you can get hold of a copy of this um then then it's it's a really really cool way of doing it um so if you listen to this this section and want to go and play weathertop and you're thinking i haven't got the terrain but you want something that looks cool i'd definitely say come and have a come and have a look at this um so yeah there's two scenarios in this so it incorporates both uh things we've talked about so far which is gandalf uh, or the Grey Pilgrim versus the Black Riders, which is the night before the events of Frodo at Weathertop. And then there's also the Amon Saw mission. So it's heavily book-based, which I love. And the best thing I think about this scenario, and it's something we touched on when we were playing this um, online, it is played entirely within the bounds of Amon Saw. It's yes. not a full table. You play it in Weathertop. Yeah. And I love that. That's my favourite bit about it. I- so it's good. I was going to say I agree. Uh, as, as we talk about the game we played later, there, there was decisions I made in, in, in the first game which probably shortened the game, but I didn't want the, the, the smart thing to do would to keep someone alive would have been to have kept them, moved them out of the, the weather top and then onto the, the wider two-by-two two table. But it just didn't feel like that's what we want the narrative scenario to be about. Well, this, that solution of will you play in the weather top is, is, is the perfect solution for that. Yes, so um, it's the first scenario, the Grey Pilgrim and the Black Riders. It's Gandalf versus the Full Nine. Yeah. So we're talking, yeah, that's that's <laughs> pretty tough. Although, to caveat, it does start with two wraiths, uh, not Witch King, and the rest arrive later. So you roll a, a dice every turn on a five plus, you get an extra wraith. Once a wraith's been dispatched by Gandalf, you can't bring that wraith back. So you'll only, only ever fight the nine. Yes. Um he also effectively gets the effect of the brands because he's the servant of the secret fire. So he gets a few little buffs, Gandalf, um, forcing people back um, because of the saturation of defensive magic spells, given that it was a watchtower for the forces of good. Um, the wraiths have to take a courage test every turn, much like if they were broken. Um, and essentially Gandalf's just got to kill four of them because he's disabling them in order to make his escape and draw some off before Frodo and Aragorn and uh, the rest make it up to the top. So initially when I was looking at it, it seems heavily weighted towards Gandalf, but then you think there's nine of them. So if someone rolls quite well, they can kill Gandalf quite quickly. Yeah. So it, it seems like a really nicely thought out thematic scenario that really heavily lends itself to the theme of the books. And it's very true to the books, which I really like. Yeah, I, I like it. It looks really cool. In fact, I'd like to play it. 
And we know I've got the weather top <laughs> that I bought and painted. It'd be nice to have another reason to crack it out. So rather than just replaying the the new one with the hobbits, I'd quite like to try this one. I think it would be yes, good. definitely. Me I think too. It would be good fun. I've got all the models to do it, so we, I think I'll make you something that we we can we should do one evening and just have it enjoy it really, have some fun with it. And I I I, I, I when, I'm the same as you. When I first read it, I thought, mm, well. The, Gandalf's got a bit of a, a bit of an advantage here, um, but with only two wraiths, I think he can deal with them fairly easily. But then, yes, the, the others could come on quite quickly. But it's only one at a time on a five up as well, isn't it? So mm. that's the only thing that, that I think um, could be could be. He's not carrying Glamdring though on the old defence eight. That's true. So yeah, it's it's. It, you'd have to play it a lot to really know whether that was right. Yeah. For me, it, just reading it, I think five up, one at a time. If it was five up and you got to roll for each, but I'm pretty sure it's one at a time per turn, isn't it? Yes, one per turn. So that you know that says to have all 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 nine on there, you're going to at least go not you know at least another seven turns on top of it. Um, yeah, it probably will. The turns will be super quick, won't they? You'll be lots of. Turns. I don't know how it'll work without without trying it, but looking at it, you just think oh, I could imagine rolling really badly and nothing coming on which we may come back to a bit later on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I want to try it. So I think we should, we should, we should definitely do that one evening and then we can let people know how it went. Definitely. And then the second scenario is Amonso, mm. which is, um, would be very familiar to anyone who has read Quest of the Ringbearer. So this is the Hobbits and Aragorn versus the Witch King and the Four Wraiths. The Witch King gets his Morgul Blade. Um, Frodo is killed for an evil victory. Good victory if all the wraiths are driven away or killed. Um, it's played entirely again within the bounds of Amon's Soul, which I love. Uh, Flaming Brands once again make their appearance. The uh, evil player is still testing for all of his wraiths within the circle. Yeah. Um, Aragorn arrives on a four plus, so very similar to the current scenario. And there is indeed the cry of the Nazgul, which is similar again to the current scenario. However, Aragorn arrives on a two plus that turn rather than automatically. Yeah. So you can sort of see an evolution of the rule set as it gets closer to Quest of the Ringbearer. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's almost identical. It's very, very cool. There's a, like, a few changes, like it being just in the bounds of, of Weathertop rather than on the four by four board. In fact, I haven't looked at the measurements of this this board actually. I don't know how big it would be and whether it's any bigger than the sort of 12-inch diameter that they recommend in the, the earlier publications or the... I don't know how big the Forgewater's one is, people, so if anyone's got one that, that measures it and let us know, I think um, the one I've got is sort of 15 across one way or like 12 or 13 on the others, but that includes all the way to the edges of it, so I'm not quite sure. It looks quite big, doesn't it? It just looks bigger than than what we played on in the picture. Yeah, although it's got lower sides and stuff, it looks more accessible, so maybe affects the way you look at it i don't know it's hard to say but it, it it looks like it might be slightly larger i don't i don't know to be honest with you without building it and looking in detail at the instructions which would be which would be a lot of fact there's not even any measurements on there because you print off the you print off the things don't you so i don't until i printed it off at 200 percent, i wouldn't know how big each section was so it would take some maths to work it out but it just looks like it could be bigger than the the official four-drop model and, and the other things you see around. So maybe... Uh, oh, no, hang on a minute. It does say Amazon, a circle of... It says it's played within a 12-inch one. It doesn't actually say use the thing you've built. It just has a picture of it. So yeah, there we are. Yes, and finally, we're going to visit the Free People's Book we for do. their Attack on Weathertop scenario. 
Yeah, so I had a flick through those. I didn't know whether it was going to be in any of them. They tend to have a, just a couple of scenarios at the back of the the old army list books. Um, and I started reading this. I started talking to Dan about this just before we started recording, and I started to make notes down like I did for the others, all these bullet points. Yeah, it's the standard um, four hobbits and Aragorn. It's a full race and a witch king with a minimum might, will, and fate. Um, it's a 12 4 by 4 board with a 12-inch diameter um, circular ruin in the middle with a campfire um, that Aragorn starts six. And I think, hang on a minute, Aragorn starts in the same place as he does in the, uh, the, the Fellowship edition of the SBG. And the more and more I kept reading it, and it's 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 essentially exactly the same scenario that's in the Fellowship edition. There I'm is one subtle doing. distinction, and that remains with the ring race. They can set up eighteen inches away at any point. It doesn't have to be a straight line. Yes. Yeah. So they can ring it. They can come in from multiple directions. But that requires quite a large board when you think about a twelve inch diameter in the middle. Yeah, it's a four by four. Um, yeah, so it's a four and there's a very narrow frontage. Yeah, it's a four by four for the the fellowship edition of the rules. As I said, the only difference is there's not a line across one side, so you can't just use the the opposite table edge to Aragorn. Aragorn can only come on the one six inches in that they can come in eight inches all the way round. Um, but other than that, I think it's the same. I think the odd word has changed, but everything works the same way in terms of the 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 rules for it. So in terms of it's still a four up to detect the enemy approaching so you still got that same rule where they're kind of they don't know the enemy's approaching until they get there um about the about the same the same rules the the flaming brands and about the backing away the full move after the one one inch back away for losing the combat um just mention obviously no sting mithril co elven cloaks etc um and, and it's dark as well i believe is it still in there i might have missed that part maybe it's not dark I stopped copying them over because I thought they were all the same. But um, uh, yeah, the dark's mentioned in there as well. As well, so I think it is the same, and it's probably meant to be pretty much the same scenario. And as you except said, except it's squashed onto one page. Is a bigger difference as well. And I do believe actually we had a uh, thing to say about the um, Helm's Deep scenario in the same book previously. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point actually. And I think they're like little extras, aren't they? Um, just to put a little bit of you know way of putting scenarios in that. What edition would this would have been? This would have been the big blue book edition. So that's like technically quite a few years on. I'm going to get. I'm not even going to guess the the year, but it's a number of years on from the original Fellowship edition of the rules, um, where that scenario appeared. So if you'd come in at any of the later times and didn't have that edition, you might not have this copy of the scenario. So it's just a nice way of kind of lifting it out of earlier publications and putting it into something else. So it, it had its point at the time, but I suppose when you sit here with all of them. <laughs> Um, it becomes less relevant, so to speak. So we've skimmed over that a little bit for obvious reasons. Um, and then that brings us on to um, Quest of the Ringbearer's version. Um, so um, this is what Dan and I played the other day. Um, so let's, let's give it the uh, give it a bit more pizzazz than we have for the, for the other ones. So I'll, I'll, let's read some of the the kind of the flavour text they've got then. So after fleeing the Black Riders in Bree, the hobbits have put their faith into a mysterious traveller known as Strider who aided their escape. With Gandalf not having been at the Prancing Pony, the hobbits must now follow Strider to Rivendell in order to keep the ring safe and prevent the Black Riders from finding them and reclaiming the ring from the Dark Lord. As they continue to walk eastward across the country, Aragorn and the hobbits stop to rest within an old ruined watchtower of Amonsul. The former seat of power once held one of the Palantiri in the times of Elendil. Through many years of war and ruin have seen it abandoned and in disrepair. Weathertop 
as it is now known, would make an ideal place to set up a camp away from prying eyes, and whilst the hobbits rest, Strider goes off to forage for food. Yet Strider has been away for some time scouting the lands for Weathertop, and hobbits were never ones to go without food for too long if they can help it. In the depths of the night, the hobbits' hunger provokes them to start a small fire in the hope of cooking a meal, tomato, sausages, and some nice crispy bacon as a means to fill them up and prevent their stomachs from constantly rumbling. However, their instant endeavour has had some dire consequences and has given away the location to the pursuing ring race, who now head straight towards the ruins of the watchtower of Amonsul. Huddled together within the centre of the weathertop, the terrified hobbits are faced with the shrouded figures of the Nazgul and the terrible fate that awaits them if Strider cannot reach them in time. There was quite a few well points during reading that. I thought, why <laughs> do I start reading all of this? This is quite long. Um, <laughs> it's your potatoes on the brain, mate. Uh, potatoes. That's because I haven't had tea. I'm sitting there and it's uh, quarter past nine. I'm not having any tea yet. Um, right. So, scenario. Talk us through the setup for this one. So, it's played on a two-foot square board uh, with the ruins of Amon Sul. Stationed right smack bang in the middle, ideally with the centre, directly above the centre of the board. Being that Amonsol isn't, particularly if you're using the Forge World model, it's not quite circular. It's slightly off-centre. Uh, the board represents the ruined watchtower Amonsol, which has a diameter of 12 inches and should occupy the centre of the board. The rest of the board can have the odd pile of rubble, trees and hedges dotted around. So, starting positions, Frodo is deployed in the centre over the top with the other hobbits surrounding him. Now, we took this as to mean in base contact mm-hmm. uh, when we played this scenario. Uh, your mileage may vary, but that's how we took it to be. Playing thematically, they huddled together in the uh, light or close to the now extinguished fire and uh, faced the night. So we would put them all together in the middle. So uh, the ring waves are then deployed touching the edge of Amonsul. We took that as being the outer edge of Amonsul. Yeah. So they have to climb in. And Aragorn is not deployed on the board at the start of the game. So in regards to objectives, the Nazgul have come to claim the ring for their master. Only by driving them off can Frodo and his companions hope to keep the ring. The evil side wins if Frodo is slain. The good side wins if all the ring wraiths are slain before this can happen. Pretty cut and dry. Special rules, flaming brands. With the Nazgul having arrived, the hobbits have picked up flaming brands to protect themselves. Aragorn, Merry, Pippin and Sam have flaming brands in addition to their normal weapons. If a ring wraith loses a dual roll against a model with a flaming brand, they will retreat D6 directly away from that model. Additionally, Aragorn may choose to use his flaming brand as a throwing weapon. If it hits, do not roll to wound. Instead, the model is immediately set ablaze. Once Aragorn has thrown his flaming brand, he may not use it for the remainder of the scenario. Aragorn. Aragorn has been scouting ahead and foraging for food. Only by hearing the cries of the hobbits will he know to return to protect them. From the second turn onwards, roll a d6 at the end of each good move phase. On a 4+, Aragorn has arrived. Place him in base contact with any edge of Amon's soul. Aragorn may not charge, but otherwise act normally. And cry of the Nazgul. The piercing cry of the Nazgul is enough to freeze the hearts of all that hear it. Once per game, the evil player may use this special rule. Until the end of the turn, all good models reduce their courage value by three. If this is used before Aragorn has arrived, then Aragorn will automatically arrive the next turn. The participants. The good side is Frodo Baggins, Samwise Gamgee, Mariadoc Brandybuck, Peribintuk, and Aragorn Strider. For evil, it's the Witch King of Angmar with Morgul Blade. Four ring wraiths, each with a no additional might, will, or fate. Yes. So, um, I mean, if we're going to do a really quick comparisons before we get into talking about how we felt the games went when we played it, um, it's um, it's it's very it's it's nice and short. It's very word light compared to the the 
other scenarios we've just been talking about. There's probably half the amount of words there than there were in the free people's version, um, but pretty much gets across everything you need in the same way. So it's, it's, it's better written in that sense. Um, there are a couple of little things, looks like you mentioned about the Frodo deployed in the centre with the others surrounding him. It doesn't bother me. This is a narrative scenario. It shouldn't really matter, but it, it, you know that it would be could be open to interpretation. People are going to ask the question like we did. Does that mean base contact or just anywhere around him? I suppose it doesn't make a lot of difference, really. But it's you know it's it's in the other scenarios they kind of they seem to be a little bit more um, directive about um, what what you do, and it doesn't also tell you that that the hobbits shouldn't have any of the kit they would have got at Rivendell, which is very obvious. And we played it as that without even thinking about it. But it was only after reading the stuff written in the previous scenarios and then making some notes on this um, that I realised that it didn't didn't say, make sure you don't have Sting, make sure you've got no um, mithril coat, make sure you've got no uh, elven cloaks, etc. And if you, I suppose, if you were newer to the game and weren't so up on the law and things, and you were like, oh, those, those are the participants, and you went back to the fellowship list and started picking them, um, you might think, oh, well, I'll, I'll take that then, I'll take this, um, and because it, it could change the scenario. But again, most people would 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 assume that anyway. But um, I don't know if you've got any other thoughts on it before we sort of talk mm, about it. It sort of cherry picks the best of all the previous. Although, as we discussed, I prefer it when. The scope of the game is contained within the confines of the ruin itself. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked that as a as a concept definitely. Um, I don't know whether there are ways to do that. Um, so let, let's talk. I suppose let's talk about it in the context of the game. So in in the in the first game, I had control of the hobbits, and you had control of the race. I think it was that way around. Um, and yes. there was a point that um, Frodo was being chased around like Benny Hill chasing scantily clad women in uh, in in 80s sitcom, um, complete with a music. Um, Show my age, aren't I? Um, and <laughs> and the, the sensible thing to do would have been to run him outside of the outside of Amundsen and onto the the wider board um, to to at that point to give me more time for Aragorn who hadn't turned up. Um, but I didn't want to do that. I was, you know, we were, I was trying to kind of recreate what we saw in the film a bit. So I made sure that he stayed within the bounds of, of Weathertop. Um, so maybe there's, maybe there's a way you can do that. So you are, like you said, you either keep it confined into Weathertop, but then there are other issues with that as well. I think, um, I think there's issues with the, with the race as well and, and giving them time for Aragorn to, to be there. Um, yeah, if Aragorn, we we looked at it, and if Aragorn hasn't turned up by five, it's pretty desperate for the hobbits. Um, if you roll badly, it, you've got no hope. So we did propose the idea that um, if by the end of turn five he's not turned up, then he turns up. Yeah, for turn six. So because- yeah, spoiler: he didn't turn up in game one at all, did he? And no, I, and I, it was really hard. I really struggled. Um, and all you're doing is kind of running away and doing everything you can, and obviously Merry and Pippin are pretty much useless um yeah, sam, my black dark game was well in <laughs> yeah sam's useful but again you know once you've got ring once you've got your um four wraiths and your witch king there that it, without aragorn there is very it's very easy to kind of separate him off and make sure you you 
deal with him. Um, you, you need Aragorn, um, and you think it's 50-50, and you've got to be pretty unlucky to, well, it was like six turns in, you just didn't turn up. Um, and then you you automatically shrieked, um, even though you didn't need to, to make sure that Aragorn turned up at the next turn, but then you killed Frodo in that same turn anyway, so he kind of, we didn't get to the, the next turn for him to actually turn up, so to speak. No, yeah. I, after turn five, I deliberately did it, just so make sure he turned up, getting the one-sided, yeah. and uh, I think unfortunately. It's a narrative yeah. game, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's a narrative game. Um, if you're not playing a part of the, the, this, the campaign as well, so if you're playing it individually like we were and you're trying to have some fun, just be flexible with it and get to the point when you go, actually, let's just we have Aragon on here because you're losing kind of thing. Um, but if we wanted to play it through normally and just, just, just see how it fared, really. I think it was just, as I said, unlucky because it's very, very different when, when Aragorn's there, but it just felt like it was impossible as it as it as it should be and i was just unlucky every time i was rolling ones or twos all the time in fact there's a little tangent here if you've uh, watched go to zorbasorp and watch um Lockie's version of this weathertop scenario using this this new one um and he's playing against um mark i think the guy he's playing against and i won't spoil the game but go and watch how many ones mark rolls it's insane like however many ro- ones you think he rolls it's it's more it's absolutely insane go and watch it um but um yeah really it was fun we had loads of fun doing it it was the first game we played in in an afternoon of six games as well so we were you know excited just to be rolling some dice and and i was moving models rather than when we do deathmatch and it's all theoretical i was actually moving models around dan was just obviously looking at the picture on his on his computer screen so i was having loads of fun doing it but it yeah it didn't feel like there was much i could do without aragorn there without him turning up um, and then we we kind of hypothesised a little bit, didn't we? What before we play the next game? What, what what could you do to give him more time to turn up before your hobbits are surrounded and stuck? Um, because the, the the race can come on anywhere around, so you can completely you you very carefully sort of surrounded me, didn't you? You you spread your five models pretty evenly around Weathertop which yes. meant that I couldn't even kind of run into a corner and try and get up some stairs or over to the side and protect Frodo in that sense. Um, there was nowhere for them really to go because you were coming in on all sides and without Aragorn turning up and, and kind of cutting through from behind and getting to the hobbits, that made it hard. So you, that was the right thing to do in terms of uh, completing your objective and it made it quite hard as well. And if we now compare to some of the other scenarios where the wraiths can't come on all the way around or they're coming on from one side or they're starting a bit further away, and we were just, we, we again, we, didn't, we haven't tried it, we only played the game twice, but it was just a couple of ideas like, well, maybe if um, the wraiths can only come on from two board edges towards the side. It's only a two-foot board as well, so you, you're not you've not got much to travel if you start on the board edges either, or even if you start six inches in from a board edge and you're almost on the edge of the of, of weathertop anyway. But it might be just an option to give them one more turn of moving in, so you got one more chance of rolling that four up to get Aragorn on before they get there. Not a major thing, but there are there are some solutions for that if you continuously find that Aragorn never turns up. But I was just probably probably just rolling bad, and if we played it ten times in a row, that might have only happened once. Yeah, I mean, uh, you didn't have much luck the second time we played it when we swapped either. To be no, fair, you got Aragorn 
quite quickly, didn't you? Um, was it the first time you rolled it, or was it the next uh, second turn? Is when you could second roll. Second time, second time. So he was there for turn three, and uh, but we we deliberately, I deliberately changed it, didn't we? I said to you, well, I'm not going to surround you like you did for me. Let's try it a different way. This is about testing the scenario out and seeing how it works and whether we can make the game work the different way. I didn't want the same thing to happen again. To be honest with you, I wanted it to be as much like the film as possible, and we we achieved it. Um, so there's on my my weather top and inverted commas model. There's some arches along one side. Um, there's actually five or six arches, so I spread them out so they were taking only co- the the wraiths were only coming on from half of the weather top model itself. So it meant that Dan had a direction if you wished to move away without being surrounded, and that was film like as well. So if you think of those iconic scenes when all five of the wraiths come over in one point almost, don't they? And they converge together in that line, and then the Witch King steps forward and draws his uh, his mortal blade. Um, so I wanted it to look a bit more like that. So so I deployed like that just to see if that added any more time. Should Aragorn not turn up straight away? But like you said, by the time. I was pretty much getting into to combat with you. You were you, you, Aragorn was there, and he just makes the difference, doesn't he? He just just changes well, the game completely. Plus Frodo went ape and killed one. He did, he <laughs> did. Frodo, yeah, but, but I suppose you were able to be a little bit more aggressive with Frodo, knowing Aragorn was there at that point. This is true. Um, it changes the way you play um, because you can make use of um, Frodo's uh, might. Um, I didn't even use the ring, whereas you did. Yeah. No, actually- and you know, I did, didn't I? I did at the end. Again, I, I said, let's be thematic. I want to put the ring on because he does in the scenario. So let's pop the ring on. Um, um, yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of difference to the game, I suppose. Uh, well, can see we would anyway. have, um, if we'd have played it properly, because once I killed Sam, he should have disappeared. Um, no, it wouldn't be, would it? That's only in uh, match play, isn't it? If you were the last person left. Pretty yeah, sure, I'm pretty sure that that rule says in matched and open play that if you were the last model left on the 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 table wearing the ring on one side, then you basically you you, you turn to the Dark Lord. It doesn't say narrative play, and it wouldn't make sense to in a narrative play. So yeah, I don't think that matters. I think that's a, I think that's a match play rule, not a narrative play rule. Is there such thing as a narrative play rule, really? Well, we that's, think about it. Exactly. <laughs> Do I, I like? Maybe there isn't. Maybe there isn't. I think you've got your your. But I suppose that people will look at it and go, "Well, that's a rule within a profile, an extended part of a profile." So you you know, if you've got an enhanced um, enhanced set of the rules and enhanced set of the the army book, and you click on that rule, it will say it there. Um, but it does say quite clearly. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm not. I'm not going to get it up now, but I'm pretty sure the the passage says something along the lines of um, this rule uh, in 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 matched and open play. But it, if it says that, that says to me that it's deliberately omitting narrative play. Otherwise, you wouldn't have said it at all. But um, it's irrelevant. It's it's fun for for a narrative kind of thing. But yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I can't remember all how the game went exactly. Um, but um, you. Aragorn, just to say, he just gives you some killing power, doesn't it? And uh, he got to the and the point. might and the yeah. a bit of might. Yeah, would you? Yeah, yeah, and that, well, he increase he gives you loads of mark because the the race don't have any at all. Um, no, so you you're not able to do anything other than the kind of. Uh, try and do some and I was you know I think it got to the last stage I knew the I had two will left on one and one left on another and I knew that if I jumped them into combat then you know they're unlikely to to beat Aragorn are they they have to get very very lucky um I think I'd plinked off 
I got one of them, one of the little hobbits. Who did I get? I think I got Mary. You got so Pippin. I got Pippin. Pippin, you got. So I got Pippin. It's always Pippin. <laughs> um, and someone was down to one wound as well, but I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember. Frodo, but you was, shot a load of black darts it. into him and took his wounds off. And that's what I tried to, in the last, and the, this is where it was like, well, I'm, you're going to, it's going to be very much like the film. Um, and I'm going to die. But I thought, well, I will do something non narrative like and i and i moved to a position where i could fire a black dart so i knew if it went off um then i could have plinked <laughs> plinked the last wound off frodo and won that way but other than that the rest of the second game went the way in narrative but yeah but i think that the summation for me is aragorn's key um and be be flexible when you play it and um if you want to play it that way you might want to play it as a bit of a tactical challenge more but if you want to play it in a kind of a filmy kind of way i'd say be flexible with you know, set a turn when Aragorn's on automatically. If you don't, that's probably the easiest way of doing with it. Saying like from turn four, Aragorn's there, rather than keep rolling four ups or four up one turn, three up the next, and two up the one after that, and then automatic from after that. Just something. And that's the only thing. Because if you get unlucky, the game just starts getting a bit. Oh, well, Aragorn's still not here. Oh, Aragorn's still not here. And it's just so key. Uh, so that's the only thing I would change about it if I was gonna write anything different about it that's the way i'd probably do it is have a decreasing role just to make sure aragorn turns up just to take away those kind of those roles of bad luck that people tend to have um you want it to still be a challenge and him not always turn up straight away maybe it's four up um turn two four up turn three and then three three up turn um four or something like that and five up turn six and um and then automatically from turn seven that gives you somewhere to try and hold out to as well if the if the if, you know as at least as a player you know that you, you've got to well, kind of hold out to this turn so you can try and move the hobbits into position to protect frodo but yeah it just felt a bit ugh. but good fun to play felt especially the second game felt like we were recreating what was in the film which was what, was, what it's all about it's immense amounts of fun i really enjoyed the scenario as well it's some some of the sort of most fun I've had so far. Yes, yeah, it was really nice um, playing with as I said as me with the models and you not, but it was nice. I've painted all the stuff fairly recently. The weathertop looks quite cool, even on the camera it looked quite cool. Um, and recently painted the Fellowship, the Wraiths this year as well. And it was just nice having all these iconic stuff from films and books I absolutely love. One of the one of the most iconic scenes. And we just it felt like we were recreating that, which is really something really sweet about that. Rather than when you play match play sometimes, and I do love match play games, but you know, you might well be playing Minas Tirith against um, Rohan because it's you know, it's, a, it's an event that does blue on blue as well. And that's a cool game, but and there's there's Lord of the Rings there to a certain extent, but it's just not the same as saying that this is something you've seen on the film. And it really felt like it, it was cool. So, um, I very much in, enjoyed it. Um, I don't know what else to say, really. I think that pretty much concludes it. Apart from, I don't know if you've got anything to add other than anything you'd change about it. Um, no, I mean, we we will cover um, the way we played the game uh, as a later uh, sort of segment, talking about playing remotely yeah. uh, rather than including with this because it is worth touching on because it was fun and it is an option in a world with few options at the moment in terms of wargaming so it's very cool i did enjoy it it was a really nice way to spend the day especially given that um 
you know, originally it was supposed to be uh, Flossum and Jetsum, and then it was going to be our um, Helm's Deep game. But at least we got to do something, and it was fun. Yes, yeah, that was true. I mean, we've um, we like like you said. I think once we've played a few, and we, we're going to play a few more of these re- remote games over the the course of this winter. Um, and then once we've got quite a few over our uh, under our belts, then we we, yeah, we might well do as a segment just kind of just discussing how we get around with playing because even when we're out of covid times distance is still a thing for a lot of us and been able to host a lot of people don't like the computerized options of playing these um tabletop commander kind of options and you know we're both running macs at the moment so it's not an option for us anyway the software doesn't work on our on our systems so um this yeah it felt for me like we could we could have quite a, a decent game and we will play different size games and we might learn our limits we might learn whether it's you know when we do balance tomb whether you know getting close to was it 24 goblins and a, and a troll etc maybe that's too many models for the person not there to use but maybe managing the fellowship in that sense might work better we'll probably try it both ways anyway but uh, we'll do a bit of a segment on it no doubt in the intro which we haven't recorded yet uh, and the, the first <laughs> section we will have talked about the magic well yeah we do all the time i think people are used to it that is the magic there is no magic um <laughs> we'll have talked a little bit about how we set up anyway because um well i've had a few people asking us so i'm going to make sure that we've have covered it and listening to this i've already said it um but we're going to do some more and um, we we played two more as, you, as you'd already heard earlier in the show we've we played two more scenarios we've got more stuff planned stuff on the painting table as you're already aware as well from earlier in the in the show that, that, that are going to allow us to do more um and, and sometimes we will pick one scenario or maybe give it the same treatment as we've done here sometimes we'll kind of lump a few together and, and maybe not look at you know older ones we'll do a bit of a mix but we will be discussing narrative gaming quite a lot because that's what we're doing at the moment we're not we're not going to events so hopefully you enjoy it if you don't well, let us know but we you know <laughs> i think i think there's going to be a bit more of it um definitely until we can start traveling around and, and playing other kinds of games and things so um we'll catch a, a short break now we'll come back with a heroic death match And we're back for another heroic death match. And today we've got Azog and Dane. A little bit off the kind of moving completely away from the um, fairly narrative-based link to the rest of the show we've done. We thought we'd just go off the wall. We're doing a lot of narrative-based scenario chat at the moment. So just thought we'd do a couple of characters that have been suggested a few times and uh, um, contain a um, Dane who's... Both of our one of our favourites. We both um, we both own him and uh, have used the model. I've got I have I got Azog. No, I haven't bought Azog yet. I've only got Bolg. But cool, cool matchup should be fairly evenly matched. What do you think, Dan? Uh, yeah, although there is an argument for narrative because uh, in the book, Stain does kill Azog outside Moria. Oh, this is true. true. So I don't fancy his chances. You see, this is bittersweet. This one because Dane is single handedly my favourite character. Yes. Not only from the Hobbit movies, and that includes Gandalf and Frodo. He, I love Billy Connolly as Dane, um, yeah. but he is my favourite character in the game, and he's one of my favourite models in the game. And unfortunately, Azog is an absolute monster. And while I'd normally put Dane against most things in the game, Azog's going to be a tall order, but it's going to be fun to find out. Absolutely. Once again, picking the underdog. <laughs> well... Let's go through the profiles, and then before we kick off, we will we'll do some predictions and talk through why, why we think who's going to win, who's going to win, etc., etc. Um, do you want to kick us off with Dane then? Of course. So, 
Dane Ironfoot, Lord of the Iron Hills. He's a dwarf. He's Iron Hills. He's infantry and a hero of legend. He costs 140 points. Dane Ironfoot is the Lord of the Iron Hills and cousin to Thorin, King Under the Mountain. As stubborn as he is formidable, Dane is known across Middle-earth for his unrivaled skill in battle and his fearless of temper. Dane charges into battle upon his great boar and wields a massive dwarven hammer which uses to bludgeon and crush those orcs foolish enough to stand in his way. Having led the dwarves of the Iron Hills in countless battles, Dane commands unwavering loyalty from those who follow him. At the Battle of Five Armies, Dane leaves his kin against Azog's Legion to protect Thorin, his company, and the newly reclaimed Kingdom of Erebor. So he's movement five, being a dwarf. He's fight six, four plus. Strength five, defense eight, three attacks, three wounds, courage of seven, three might, three will, three fate. He carries a two-handed hammer, and he's wearing heavy dwarf armor. He has resolve, march, strike, strength, challenge. He can have a war ball for 20 points. Uh, he is burly, and he is also fearless. His special rules are Lord of the Iron Hills. Whilst Dane Ironfoot, Lord of the Iron Hills, is alive on the battlefield, all Iron Hills dwarf models within 12 inches of Dane automatically pass all courage tests they're required to make. His fiery temper, as soon as Dane Ironfoot, Lord of the Iron Hills, kills an enemy model for the rest of the game, if Dane is in range to charge, he must do so if he is able. Fearsome charge, in a turn that Dane Ironfoot, Lord of the Iron Hills, charges into combat, he causes terror until the end of the turn. And headbutt, if Dane Ironfoot, Lord of the Iron Hills, wins a dual roll but fails to slay his opponent, select one enemy man-sized or smaller model in the fight and roll a d6. 5 plus stable will headbutt that muscle and he'll be knocked to the ground. So he's pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. I he's do. also a very good, um, in my opinion, um, representation of the Danas represented on screen. Yes. I think he's a fantastic rules profile. He, he more than most nails what he should be. Yeah, I think he's, he's, he's one of those characters that's very clearly what it says on the tin in terms of... You can look at all of his his special rules, and you think quite clearly what they're going to do. Some of them, some of them, some profiles. I think some of the interactions are less obvious. These are very brutal and blunt, and do what they say, just like him, really. Which is, like you said, just matches the uh, character on on the screen. Um, yeah. And he's a match for for most most profiles in the game. Um, there are better profiles than him, but. I think you know he, he could beat anyone on his day. I suppose much like any high fight, um, um, relatively high strength, um, high defense, um, three might wound fate characters. Then you know, you know they are they are beasts, um, and that headbutt special rule is really really useful. Um, you just think you know you think even if we come up against a, a three wound character and take the first couple off, you've not you've not slain. Then you roll that five up. And then, and that hero's then on the ground for the next turn. It's a really, really. I think it's fantastic. I think that headbutt's um, special rule is very cool. So, um, yeah, I think um, I don't know if he's going to be the underdog that you say. Um, it's uh, it's interesting. He's missing one of his best aspects, which is when you've got the army bonus and he gets uh, he gets the battle four plus. Yeah, much about. So that's yeah, that's a really good thing. Um, not to mention one of his also benefits is the fearsome charge, being if you charge him in, causing terror, so preventing other models that might worry him charging in and yes. hitting him. That's a huge thing as well. Yeah, that helps loads, definitely. I made use of that in when I used him at, at Throne of Skulls, when I remembered. <laughs> yeah, sure trolls and stuff are the main problem for him because they've got the high enough fight and they've got the strength to damage him with the defense. Uh-huh. So being able to cause them not to charge because he causes terrors is quite big. 
Or even even um, even things like uh, horde armies. When you're you're looking at them and able to just just beating through sheer number of dice, they tend to be low courage and things. So if you've got more goblins and things like that, and they um, making courage tests and failing them, um, that can be useful as well. So many uses for that. But um, he's he's a beast. I think this will be quite close. But I'll go for Azog and we'll we'll discuss it a little bit more. So um, Azog. Orc Gundabad, infantry hero of legend at 165 points. And the necromancer of Dolgodor is revealed as the great enemy. Yet it is through his mighty vassal, Azog, that Sauron threatens to crush all resistance to his power in the north. The time for sorcery has passed, and the pale orc is now unleashed upon his foes as a fearsome general of Sauron's massed hordes, intent on finishing what he started and ending the line of Durin. So he's a move six, fight seven, five, strength five, defense five, three attacks, three wounds, courage five, and then three might, three will, and only one fate. That's because he dies in the film. Sorry for the spoilers there. Um, (laughs) War gear, sword and mace, heroic actions of march, strike, strength and challenge. Um, lots of options, so you can have a signal tower at 200 points, um, the white warg at 50 points, the stone flail at 20, and heavy armor at 10. We're not going to go into the 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 special rules around the signal tower and things. Maybe if we were doing a, a different part of the show when we were reviewing the army, we might go into that, but that's not really relevant to, to deathmatch. Um, so yeah, his, his stone flail is um, he hasn't got that today, but it's quite a cool two-handed weapon um, that follows the normal rules for flails, with the following exceptions: when fighting with the stone flail, Azog's, Azog's fight value is reduced to six. Um, Azog does not reduce his fight value during the whirl special strike. Additionally, wounds inflicted with the stone flail cause not one wound but D three wounds instead. Um, the tumbr- determine the number of wounds after fate points are used. Any model that is struck but not slain is knocked prone, so that can be pretty pretty beastly. Uh, again, he's not. We've got standard loadouts here, so we won't be using that today. He's burly. He has the special role of general of the north, um, which basically his, gives him a, a stand fast of twelve inches. Um, uh, and, and unlike other hero model stand fast rule, it can affect other orc model heroes as well. And then he has I am the master. So Azog is a jealous leader and will fight any who threaten his rule. When rolling to wound an enemy hero model after winning a fight, Azog never needs to roll more than the three up to score wound, regardless of the defense. And this is one of those uh, rules that just makes him absolutely beastly. Um, and this is where that special rule is probably undoing um, the, the high defense that you have. So it's fantastic against high high defense uh, heroes. Um, otherwise, you would have been re- wounding you on a six, um, but he'll be wounding you on threes, which is, is well a huge difference, isn't it? And uh, could make the difference in the fight, I suppose. Um, and like like Dane as well. So you talk about master of battle is linked to the um, army special rule. He has just straight up master of battle, no need for a four up as well. So if these were meeting with uh, as armies, I think then Azog is clearly much stronger. Um, I think the straight up master of battle rather than the four up, and that I am Ma- I am the master special rule, um, and then the ability to take things like the flail and and the white wag just give him a, a much more of an edge over over Dane. I think them both on foot already in base contact without those spe- you know without some of those extra additions being able to use. I think they're a little bit closer. Um, so you'll be wounding on a four-up, I think. 
three because double handed weapon with oh, Burley, yeah, so Burley, it's threes so and threes for both. One. So it's plus one to your wound roll, so yeah, effectively three up. Um, so we're both wounded on three, so that's even. Um, Azul's got the fight higher, um, but then he's only got one fate, so you've got that. So that's, that's why I think they're fairly evenly matched. So drawn dice, yes. Azog, if he strikes early, should win. If the if the battle's protracted here, I think your three fates may well be the difference. That's why I think it's a lot closer in a in a one on one matchup like this within their basic gear rather than the extras that could be taken. That was my view on it anyway. I think I think once you get past the uh, get past the fight value thing, I think um, that the fate could be could be uh, quite telling here. Right, let's get yep. started. So, uh, any heroics you're going to strike, strike, I imagine? Yeah, me too. So, I have rolled a three, so I'm up to ten. Oh, I rolled a two, so I'm up to eight. Right. So, both three attacks. Oh, three high. Uh, five high, right. So, needing threes. Only, Just the one. Only one at the moment. Um, oh, nice big six for my fate. Uh, new, next round of combat. Are you striking again? No. I'm just going to go for it. Come on, Dane. Five high. Ah. Right. Wouldn't be enough anyway. Looking for threes again. There's two. Two. Two points of fate, but they made both saves. Right. So he's out of fate. So you got your fate back. You striking or any other heroics? No, I'm going to save it just to clob you. Six. Uh, um, I will use a might. Ugh. Cheating orc. <laughs> Cheating orc. Win on fight value. Down to one might now, but uh, three strikes. And... Yeah, he's dead. Oh, Dane, that's genuinely gutting. I'm actually upset about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I um, uh, you 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 just had bad dice there. I didn't have particularly amazing dice, but you had some bad dice while striking. I think that was more to do with any any than any of our, uh, our predictions. Um, I'm claiming a royal retreat because Tolkien killed Azog, so Azog can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might have to we might have to do this again, but get Crack Bolg out as well. Um, uh, do you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to paint your Azog's Legion. We're going to have to have a game, and then my Iron Hills yes. smash you. Well, I'll just turn up with my Azog's, my, my, day, <laughs> my Iron Hills, and we have the most boring game ever. Um, <laughs> they are on my, you've, seen, you've seen my very long hobby list, so they are on there. They will get done at some point. Just uh, the uh, Middle Earth team keep releasing these fantastic books that um, keep changing my hobby plans um, but well it's another one in the can and uh, I don't know what we got coming up next I think we've got a couple more lined up for the next couple of shows so we'll see how we go but as always send your suggestions in if they have a narrative theme that might mean they're more likely to make it on the show but we will consider anything alright let's take a break and we'll come back and close the show out And we're here at the end of all things, well, at least for tonight anyway, um, to close the showdown. 
So thank you for spending time listening to us again. Hope you enjoyed the weather top um, chat. Um, and let us know if you, you like that kind of format. It's obviously a slimmed down version of what we did with Helm's Deep, which is, was quite um, well um, received. We've had quite a few messages about that. And uh, we've got a bit of a focus on, on narrative gaming at the moment. And Quest of Ringbearer, as we've said, has produced us with a, a vast range of new um, scenarios that we can kind of dig into at the moment. And it's very much our hobby. So we will be doing similar things for some of the other scenarios as well. Um, some of the smaller ones will group together. But we have fun doing it, playing the game and talking about it and researching into the old stuff. So, uh, yeah, love your feedback. Get involved. Give us some comments on it and any any thoughts you've had. Have you tried out any of the scenarios? How do you think they went, etc. Um So, here to close the show, Dan, have you got anything you'd like to say before we, we let these people go off to their piece? Just the usual uh, shout-out to Legion of Peter for Wargamers. Uh, find us on Facebook and uh, pop in, join the chat. Obviously, for our usual channels as well. I know Stu normally covers this, but it's uh, always nice when we see things posted. It's always good. Yes. And uh, just the general shout-out to everyone else who's providing content at the moment. Harry uh, at Moots, I've just listened to his most recent. Very good. Definitely suggest that. And then uh, Damien and Steve, uh, streams in Middle-earth, all of their content they're putting out in myriad forms now. Well yes. worth a go. Yes, yeah, I've been definitely keeping up with this. It's getting quite hard to keep up with everything now, but it's a nice problem to have. I've been um, trying to go back and watch some of the old, um, the Lockheed's battle streams um, that I don't really, I never get to watch live because they sort of start 10 o'clock on a Sunday night and it's not a night I can sit up late, really, um, with early start the next day with getting kids to nursery and school and working and things. So I've been watching a few of those while working and playing my way through there. I've worked out there's like nine podcasts, I think now, eight or nine podcasts that are just sort of available on iTunes for, for Middle Earth stuff. I know I've been shouting them out, but it's been listening to quite a few of them and um it's really nice to have have them all but it's definitely become a kind of a whoa um from easy being able to cover them all and listen to other stuff that i listen to now it's like oh and there's not enough hours in the day to to cover them all so it's uh it's, it's a good problem like i said so before we go i just want to give a, a bit of a reminder about our um, competition when matt davies was on um episode 20 about how you can win up to 500 points worth of bases for your army um we've had a few in a few entries not as many as we'd hoped especially compared with the amount of people that have actually listened to the show so i'm not quite sure why people haven't and this isn't me telling you off but it's more of a case of you know 500 points worth of um, generation shift resin bases it can be quite a lot um especially if you pick goblin town sorry matt um but Get involved. We're extending the competition just to the end of the month now. I think it was the 15th was the original cut-off date. Um, we're going to extend it to the, the end of this month, the calendar month. So we'll announce it early in in November. Um, just to give you a few more people a chance to, to enter the competition. Um, you need to listen to episode 20. Um, it's all time-stamped, so you, if you don't want to listen to us and you um, um, just want to listen to Matt's uh, interview, you can do. And it's right at the end of his interview. I think it's like two hours 10 to hours 15 or somewhere around that area into the show is when he would talk about the uh, competitions so you really want to skip everything and just listen but essentially you've got to create a scenic base um, it can be on models in your army already or you can be just the base on its own for you to put a miniature on afterwards um, but just well, you know create your own scenic base whether it's sculpting or kit bashing etc matt explains it better than than i am now so go and listen to that end of the show um, and then post a picture in our social media it'd be better if it's got a model on it painted i think that's what matt wanted but um you know, if you if you 
it's we're not picking the best. We're um, we are you're entered into a random draw, so it's uh, it's not about who's the most skilled. Um, so don't let that put you off. Um, we've had a few entries already. It's very very cool. Obviously, the the fewer people are in it, the the more chance you have got to win. Um, but we would like a few more entries. It'd be fantastic. So get involved. It's a fantastic prize. Okay, it's like um, a really good sized chunk of your of your army's based. Um, so, I, yeah, just get involved. I know so much of the community love his work and love his bases. So, head over and get it sorted. Um, other than that, the usual stuff. So, head over to our Facebook page and give us a like if you can, or at least. Um, Follow us so you can keep up with the latest news and when we release shows, etc. Join our Facebook group, as Dan's already mentioned. Um, again, if you just search for Out of the Frying Pan podcast um, on YouTube, you should be YouTube. Or well, anyway, on uh, Facebook, you should be able to find us. Uh, follow us on Instagram at OOTFP podcast and on Twitter at OOTFP. Um, most of the things we post, we seem to share in all platforms. So then you pick the one that suits you best. Twitter's probably the most neglected, but... Um, we tend to post up um, whenever we paint models and things. They definitely go on Instagram. Facebook gets everything, whether it's just sort of opening post in the morning and me sharing what I've been purchasing and that kind of stuff. But it's good to get involved with us and a good way for you to communicate with us and give us tips for the show and just, just you know, communicate with us. You can just email us directly at ootfppodcast.gmail.com if you are old-fashioned and you don't use any of those social medias, um, which is probably very good for your mental health because there's a lot of poo on there a lot of the time. And we do have a YouTube channel as well. Link in the description below. Head over there. I am very shortly, um, if it's not already up by now, there'll be a short unboxing of the um, um, Green Stuff World River stuff I was talking about earlier. Um, I've got a couple of things half worked on. So there'll be a painting thing coming soon for for, um, Barleyman, Harry or Bill, depending on which one I decide to do. Um, I'm also going to be doing some work on Smaug as well. So there'll be videos on how to work on the large four-drill kits. And as I start to do that, and there's another hobby vlog on the way as well so there'll be some new videos going up soon there so head over there as well thank you very much for spending time with us again and we'll catch you soon Run!